Welcome to the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. This episode contains a sermon from August 1st by Pastor Randy titled Deliverance from Inadequacy. All right, a couple of weeks ago, we began by looking at the story of Moses and the Exodus to help us learn that God wants to deliver us from the bondage of fear. And so this week, we're going to again look at the story of Moses and the Exodus to see how God wants to from the bondage of inadequacy. Now, here's the thing. You go through life, you're going to experience disappointments. Nobody can go through life without experiencing disappointments. But nobody should go through life feeling like they are a disappointment. Yet so many people do. So many people feel like they're just not enough. So let me ask you to fill in this blank. I am not blank enough. Maybe I'm not smart enough. Maybe I'm not talented enough. Maybe I'm not attractive enough. Uh, Maybe I'm not uh, wealthy enough. Maybe I'm not popular enough. And the thing is, social media has amplified these feelings in us like a thousand times. Somebody posts something on the social media and there's, if they're saying, look, my kids are cuter than your kids. My kids do better at school than your kids. The food I eat is better than the food you eat. Or, or, how about, or how about this one? My vacations are better than your vacations. Or the reason I post so many of my opinions is because my opinions are better than your opinions. And people can wind up feeling about significant as a bush in the Sinai wilderness. And that's where Moses finds himself. He grew up in royalty in Egypt. But then he chose to identify with his ethnic people, the Israelites, and made an attempt to lead them out of bondage. He kills an Egyptian, hoping that the rest of Israel would follow him. But it's an epic fail. And so, so now Moses finds himself in need to be delivered from the bondage of inadequacy. So four decades later, 40 years later, God comes to him and says, I got this plan to deliver the people. And Moses said, I'm all in. That's in my heart. I want to see my people delivered. So he says, God, great plan, but you got the wrong man, not me. Here's what we read in Exodus chapter 3, 10 and 11. God says, therefore, go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses asked God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Great question. And whether we realize that or not, we answer that question every day. But when Moses says, who am I that I should go, it's not a question of his identity. It's a question of his, his capability. It's a question is, uh, of, of, of inadequacy. It's not identity crisis. It's an inadequacy crisis. You see, 40 years earlier, Moses had tried that and failed. So now again, what he says is God, right plan, the wrong man. And what Moses is having to overcome is this inadequacy that's just gotten so deep inside of him. He's been living, feeling this way for 40 years. It's grown deep inside of him. Here's what I want you to understand. The first thing I want you to understand. Never confuse the virtue of humility, humility with the prison of inadequacy. 
True humility leads to self-denial, but should never lead to denial about God's capability to come in your life and accomplish his purposes. But so often that's exactly where it goes to a lot of people. And what Moses is doing, Moses is trying to cover for his feelings of inadequacy, cover for his wounded pride. How do you know that? I know that because every time God wants to talk about the mission, Moses turns it back on himself and says, it's about me. Look what he says in the next verse or, or in chapter 4. Moses answered, what they won't believe me and will not obey me, but say the Lord did not appear to you. Moses wants to talk about, well, what about me? Last time I tried to go to them, it didn't work, God. What's changed? He tries to put the focus on himself whenever God wants to talk about the mission. Let's continue reading. The Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Throw it on the ground, he said. So Moses threw it on the ground. It became a snake, and he ran from it. Then the Lord told Moses, stretch out your hand and grab it by the tail. So he stretched out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. This will take place, he continued, so that they will believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. In addition, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. So he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was diseased, resembling snow. Put your hand back inside your cloak, he said. So he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, he, it had again become like the rest of his skin. If they will not believe you and will not respond to the evidence of the first sign, they may believe the evidence of the second sign. And if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to what you say, take some water from the Nile and pour it out on dry ground. The water you take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. So, under the guise of humility Moses has a credibility issue they didn't believe me again they're not going to believe me now and notice what God doesn't say to Moses God doesn't say okay Moses you need to get a good self-help book and read that or okay Moses you're a glass half empty type of person we need to get you to be a glass half full type of person or he doesn't say Moses I wrote a book called how to win friends and influence pharaohs you need to read it he didn't say, okay, repeat after me. I am Moses and I am a bad man. That's not what God says. Because Moses' problem is not a small view of himself. Moses' problem is a small view of God. Here's the other thing you need to understand. Deliverance from an accident doesn't require a bigger view of your potential, but a better view of God. See, the answer is not to focus on your lack. The answer is to focus on God who lacks Nothing to be able to use you and accomplish his purpose in your life. Here's the other thing. When God sends you on a mission, he never asks you for anything you won't need him to do. God never says to you, here, here's what I want you to do. You go ahead and do it. You don't need me. You can do it all by yourself. Doesn't happen. So the next part of our story, what we just read about, is that God gives Moses a show and tell to show him I am is enough. The first thing he says is, throw your staff on the ground, turns it to a snake, and he runs away. How many of you run away from snakes? Yeah, yeah, there's several of you. 
Even me just mentioning it today is going to give you bad dreams tonight. Some of you, it's, it's that bad. But a snake was one of the symbols of Pharaoh. And, and what God is, is attempting to say to him, to say to Moses is, look, Moses, whatever you're afraid of answers to me. Then he does the hand thing with his hand and cloak, turns leopards, puts it back in, and it's ready again to say, look, Moses, whatever you're afraid of answers to me. So Moses, this is not about you being all that. This is to show you that I am enough. But this is a tough lesson for Moses. So you would think that with doing these two miracles and a promise of a third one, that Moses would say, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to Egypt. But remember, Moses has been dealing with these feelings of inadequacy for 40 years. They're deep inside of him. Very deep. So the next thing that happens in the story is that Moses moves from claiming credibility issue to claiming an ability issue. Let's continue reading. Verse 10, but Moses replied to the Lord, please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, either in the past or recently or since you have been speaking to your servant, because my mouth and my tongue are sluggish. The Lord said to him, who placed the mouth on humans? Who makes a person mute or deaf, seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. Moses said, please, Lord, send someone else. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses, and he said, isn't Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he is on his way now to meet you. He will rejoice when he sees you. You will speak with him and tell him what to say, and I will help both of you and him to speak and will teach you both what to do. So the thing about this that's odd is when you go over to Acts and you read Stephen's speech that he gave, as before he gets stoned and he talks about Moses, he goes through that. He says Moses was a powerful speaker. But that's not how Moses saw himself. See, people who have trouble dealing with inadequacy, they can't even see their own strengths a lot of times. Other people can see them, but they can't see them. So Moses going on and on and on about this, about his problems, what he can't do, God gets angry. God is not angry because Moses has a small view of himself that he doesn't see himself as capable. God gets angry because Moses doesn't see that God is capable. So at first, all these questions that Moses has, we could say that's sort of a false humility, but now it's bordering on blasphemy. See, we do not have the, the Bible for us written down for us so that we can have healthier and happier lives. The Bible was given to us to show us who God is and his purpose and what he wants to accomplish in this world. And our sense of confidence doesn't come from a bigger view of ourselves. Our sense of confidence coming, comes from understanding who God is, how powerful he is, how great he is, and surrendering to him. So next, what I want you to understand is when God says, here I am, the only response is, here I am, send me. So two things that help us with this. The first of all is this, the world's a better place because, Moses, because Noah didn't say, I don't do boats. 
The world's a better place because Rahab didn't say, I don't do spies. Or because Ruth didn't say, I don't do mother-in-laws. Or because Peter didn't say, I don't do Gentiles. Or Paul didn't say, I don't do correspondence. We have our salvation because Jesus didn't say, I don't do crosses. Whenever God says, here I am, what he doesn't want to hear is, I don't do. And that's exactly what Moses is doing. Listen, God uses broken vessels. What other choice does he have? There is no other choice. Here's what we read in 1 Corinthians. Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many of you are wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God's chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God's chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. And it is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became wisdom from God for us, our righteous sanctification and redemption. In order that, uh, well, let's back up to here. Let's just stop right here at this point. God doesn't call many who are well-resourced. God doesn't call people who have it all together. And the reason he doesn't do it is because of this. In order that, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Now we have this treasure in clay jars so this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. So the people will see that it's not us who are all that. So people will see it's the power of God in us. It's not up to our potential. That's all God. We want it to be the spotlight partially on us. We'll go through our life thinking, you know, the reason that got accomplished is because I'm, a, I'm something. I can do this. I can handle this. If it doesn't point to God, if our life doesn't point to God, if we don't understand how much we have to depend upon him every day, we're messed up. We've got a skewed view of how this world works and how God works with us. Going back to what we look at, look, looked at in the Lord's Prayer, every day the Israelites had to get up out of their tent every morning and get enough bread for that day. And we are just as dependent upon God as they were, even though we have an abundance. We're still that dependent upon God. And we need to realize that. And that's what Moses is, is missing right here. So, so here's the lesson we want to learn. You will stay in bondage as long as you give others the authority to decide who you are. You have to understand it comes from God, not other people. The Bible tells us that we have an enemy who's out to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus also says about this enemy that he just lies. Every time he speaks, he lies. He, he's, he's a master liar. He's always manipulating the truth. Satan didn't go up to Eve and say, look, Eve, you take this fruit and you eat it, you're going to feel guilty. You're going to be separated from God. You're going to be kicked out of the garden. You're going to be at odds with your husband. You're going to have pain during childbirth. One of your sons is going to kill the other. And you're going to grow old, wither, and die. No, he lied. And as a result, all that and much more happened. 
And so many people get stuck into the lie that they don't have what it takes. That's one of Satan's favorite lies to feed to us. You just don't have what it takes. You don't have enough brains. You don't have enough energy. You don't have enough patience. You're not beautiful enough. You're not spiritual enough. You can't ever change. You can't ever do that. You can't ever stop doing that. Or what's worse, you can stop anytime you want to. Nobody will ever find out. And so we got tons of people suffering from the same thing Moses suffered with, this idea of feeling just totally inadequate. And I know we talk about seeing a lot about women, but it's just existence in men. It just plays out differently in guys than it does girls. Men tend to blame other people in circumstances. Girls tend to blame themselves. So you're, you're going through college and the professor gives you a test and you flunk the test. The guy's going to say, man, he just didn't prepare us for that test. He's such a bad professor. He could have done more to, to tell us what was going to be on that test. He's just a bad teacher. The girl's going to go, I realize I'm just not smart enough to take this class. It, it, they're just going to look at it differently. The enemy will try to communicate his lie through constant comparisons. Or let me state this better. The enemy will try to propagate his lie. His lie is that you're not enough. The enemy will try to, to propagate this lie. It's probably a better word there than to communicate. His lie of you're not being enough through constant comparisons. We always compare ourselves to other people. This goes on throughout the Bible too. Leah compares herself to Rachel, who's prettier than her and loved more than she is. Sarah compares herself to Hagar, and it winds up in bitterness and anger and hate toward Hagar. De uh, Saul compares himself to David. And now we got social media. We got people on facade, I'm, I mean Facebook, excuse me. We call it facade. That's, uh, it's probably a better name for it. You know, how many of you have facade accounts? You're on facade. But, but where people put out the, the, the best image of themselves to say, look how great my life is. That's not true. Right now, we're in a culture where everybody's life is messed up. And, and their lives are messed up too. So we're constantly looking at all these mirages and all these facades of, of people's lives. And, and that has... I would like to be able to say that has also invaded the church, but it was in the church long before Facebook came along. People would come into church and everybody looks great, looks like they have it all under control. When I first started pastoring, got into my church, I go, oh man, I got all these wonderful families here. This is great. About two months later, oh, that family's got issues. Two months later, oh, that family's got issues. That family's got issues. They all have issues. And I have issues too. We just, everybody has issues. And you realize that, that things aren't what they seem. And they found out through studies that is, of, of Facebook that if someone is going through financial trouble, they're more likely to post a picture of themselves either on a buying spree or something they just bought. If somebody's having marital trouble, they're more likely to post something about, we had this romantic dinner together or this nice walk together. People want to put on the facade because they don't want anybody else to know. They want to keep their insecurities hidden. And whenever you do that, the hope of any type of healing is just gone, isn't it? Just disappear. And Satan loves it. 
Because when we get into this mode of, of yes, I have this inadequacy, this, these insecurities, these things going on in my life, and nobody else knows, you know, our faith just starts to shrivel up. So what do you do? What's the answer? How do you deal with that? Ephesians 3.18 says this, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width and height and depth of God's love. This is Paul's prayer. See, if you want to deal with, with this stuff, type stuff like this, you've got to know the truth. And so what Paul is praying is that we'll know the truth. That we can comprehend. The word comprehend means to rush through or to eat through. That we may be totally consumed with God's love. When you listen to God's voice and you understand what you are to God, man, for somebody who's, who's having issues with insecurities, with inadequacy, that's like a, a well in the desert. You just drink that up. Then you're able to, you're able to, to go through life and, and, and say, you know, I may be tall, I may be short, but I'm somebody because I'm God's child. I may be fat, I may be skinny, but I'm somebody because I'm God's child. I may be rich, I may be poor, but I'm somebody because I'm God's child. I may be an Alabama fan, but I'm somebody because I'm God's child. Can you believe that? Even an Alabama fan. Somebody. We have... A problem understanding the truth about how God sees us. And when you understand that you're secure, when you understand that you're significant, when you understand the truth about how God sees you, that will change the way you work, the way you play, the, the way you just, you're all, every aspect of your life will change when you understand that. Let's look at another verse. Colossians 2, 8. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deceit based on human tradition, based on elements of the world rather than Christ. Don't be taken captive. Let me kind of bring this up to date in our world. Don't be taken captive by a mirror or an image or a magazine cover. Instead of going through you know, fitness magazine, health magazine, or glamour magazine, and looking at pictures and going, man, I wish I looked like that. Instead, go through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, see Jesus, and go, man, I want to look like that. Let his image be what you pursue. Amen. The next thing that Paul writes, the next verse, for the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily in Christ. And you have been filled by him who is the head over every ruler and authority. You have been filled by him or made complete by him. See, the world says to be fulfilled or to be complete, have something done to you. Or you want to be fulfilled and complete, have someone with you, have the right relationship. Or you want to be fulfilled and be complete, have the right things said about you or have the right things owned by you. But what Paul is saying, to be fulfilled, to be complete, doesn't come by some external modification. It comes by an internal transformation. It's because of Christ in you. See, that's what Moses is missing. 
So for 40 years, he's been dealing with this. Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter 3, where, where he goes through this little uh, talk about how his identity, before he, became, before he became Christian, his whole identity was wrapped up in who he was. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrew, man. And I'm a Pharisee. Nobody can out-Pharisee me. I'm better than any other Pharisee. I keep the law. I'm righteous. I'm so zealous for God, a persecuted Christian. He goes through this whole list of things. And then this is what he says. But everything that was gained to me, how I saw my identity, who I was, I've now considered to be lost because of Christ. I don't identify myself according to the world's standards anymore. Now I find my identity in Christ and Christ alone. If only Moses could get there, and he's going to get there. If only we could get there. So a couple months ago, they had the NFL draft. Trevor Lawrence, quarterback for Clemson, was drafted to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A very outspoken Christian. So they interviewed his former coach at Clemson and said, how do you think he's going to do at the next level? And his coach said, oh, he's going to do great. He's got size. He's got athleticism. He's got a strong arm. He, he's smart. But the best quality he has is his faith. And the interview says, what do you mean about that? He said, he's an inside-out man in an outside-in world that's paralyzed by what other people think about him. In a world where other people are paralyzed by what other people think about him, his concern is his image according to the image that the, the identity that he has in Christ. Let's put that. He's concerned about his identity in Christ. And so that's going to insulate him from all the challenges that he has to deal with at the next level. That's uncommon to find. So, you will never live in freedom as long as you need the applause of others to feel good about yourself. If you don't think you're enough, if you don't think you're good enough, you don't think you're righteous enough, you don't think you're spiritual enough, guess what? You're not, but Jesus came to be your enough. That's where you have to find your identity. Not in what the world wants to give you, not in what you put on yourself, and God is trying to get this across to Moses. He's trying to tell Moses, look, I'm enough. I know all your inadequacies, but I'm going to be with you. I am enough. But Moses has been doing this for 40 years. But it gets to the point where God almost gets angry with him. Because Moses is saying, look, I don't believe you're powerful enough to be able to deal with my, all, all my inadequacies with all the shortcomings I have. I don't think you can do a work like that in my life. And you know what? That's where our culture is today. Think of it this way. We've been emphasized in praying for revival for years. Do you think God is powerful enough to bring about a revival in your life, in our church, in our culture? See, that's the question. And a lot of times we, we think, oh, man, it's just going to get worse, worse. Yeah, it may be. But the only reason it's going to get worse, 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 because we won't allow God to do a work in us. 
And a lot of times that's because we don't think he can. And that's where Moses is at. God, I don't think you can. I don't think you can make a difference in my life. That's why God gets so angry. Didn't I make you? Can't I do anything with your mouth I want to do? And God can do anything in your heart with your life he wants to do. But you've got to cooperate with that. First of all, you have to want it. And the truth is, a lot of us would rather stay in the state that we're in rather than want to change. Honestly, that's where a lot of people are at. You know, I like my life. I like my car. I like what's going on right now because I'm, you know, I'm happy. I got stuff and we're doing okay. In life, you don't want to really see things change. And you're okay feeling the way you feel, living the way you live. And you will miss out on God's purpose in life if you keep going down that road. But a lot of you, you just don't believe God has the power to come along and change your life. You don't think he has the power to take those issues you have, those inadequacies you have, whatever it is that you have, and come in and do a work in your heart. So it's a faith issue. It's a faith issue. Moses got it. It took a while, but Moses finally got it. And for the rest of his life, it changed completely. And so when he had issues, he would go, huh. They don't have issues with me. People got issues with God. Because it's not about me, it's about him. Changed everything, didn't it, in his life. It can change everything in your life. So Moses got it. That's all about God, not us. The question is, will you get it? Will you get it? Thank you for tuning into the podcast of Grandview Baptist Church in Anchorage, Alaska. For more information, check out our website at gbcak.org.